We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, everyone, happy St. Patty's Day. Happy Pot of Gold. It's all the 2025 offers. You can go right now to the IB message board. We have a running list of all the offers. I think we're caught up right now. We fully expect some of the West Coast kids will probably Southern kids like Texas, Arizona, Nevada, California. They'll be posting theirs probably in the next coming hours. Midwest and East Coast are pretty much posted theirs on social media. So the rest will be coming in the next hour or so. We anticipate we anticipate over 100 offers. 2025 class, 100 offers to go out for Notre Dame to be locked in on these kids. It is a defense-heavy class. It is a defense-heavy offer list for the 2025 class. So it's going to be very interesting to see Myself and Ryan Roberts, we counted out 15, if I'm not mistaken, 15 no, yeah, 15 offers the linebackers. And then right behind that was defensive linemen. Right behind that was defensive linemen. At 11. So that's that's crazy. 26 of the offers, which is approximately, from what we're expecting, probably 25% of the offers. Um, 25% of the offers are still locked in to those two positions. So that's an acknowledgement, in my opinion, from the coaching staff that the 2025 class that those two areas are taking precedent. Right behind that, if I'm not mistaken, is the defensive back class. I think Mike Mickens has like seven or eight offers out in a 25 class. So defensive back, linebacker, defensive line are the primary offers that went out from a position standpoint in 2025. That just shows you where everything is headed from a recruiting standpoint. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Camp, yesterday we had a listener ask this question, so I want to pose it to you. Okay. The listener said, can Marcus Freeman win a national championship at Notre Dame? And my response to the listener was, I believe he can. I believe he's the, guy, the man to do it. But I said, let me ask you a question. I said, can Marcus Freeman, can Notre Dame win a national championship as it currently stands as a university, regardless of who the coach is? The way college football is moving, NIL, television revenue, super conferences, and the offering. Notre Dame sticking to the independent model, not really getting involved with NIL. You saw what happened with the debacle of Andy Lutwig, regardless of what you believe or what, what side of the argument you fall on in that particular case. Is Notre Dame as an institution positioned to win a national championship? in 2023 see that's for me that's the bigger question yeah that's a really interesting question um <laughs> uh i was talking i've been talking to a couple people about this recently this topic's been coming up and uh i think that one thing you know we talked about that transition from the old to the new yeah and man if you want to you know if you want to be a part of legacy in a way, like you got to realize like you're, you're creating it, like you're growing with it, like it's growth. And there is definitely like entitled consciousness around the Notre Dame kind of mm. community, I would say that ultimately like that has to, that has to go, that has to be shed off in order for, um, I think in order for things to to really move in the way that like a Marcus Freeman um, would need it to move in order to 
kind of be in sync or be in step with what I think he's trying to do as a philosophy there, because it's different. It's, uh, it's unique. It's new. It's a new expression. And sometimes people like we're, we're a very traditional university in so many ways, especially when it comes to football, it's, uh, you know, it's greatly esteemed for, um, what has been done there. And we've, I think we've embraced a lot of, like a lot of new on the external, like we've gave the stadium a makeover. We've, uh, you know, create like new facilities, um, a whole new coaching staff. But I, I, I feel like there's something internally, you know, going on there. Um, and really like at a deeper level where you talk about the Notre Dame, like community as a whole, um, I feel like if we can shed off, you know, some of that, more of that entitlement, uh, mentality, kind of like the, uh, almost like the arrogance of that, you know, cause there's just some straight up arrogant dudes sometimes that like you get from ND <laughs> and I'll just like, I'll be the first to say it cause you know, I've been around it, but, um, there's also just some of the most amazing human beings I've ever met that like embody like the true ethos of what I think Notre Dame like really means and like what it is. And uh, I think like the more, you know, we start to embrace that, like that authentic expression and kind of embracing some of this, uh, this new era, if you will. Um, yeah, man, I think Marcus Freeman could be that guy. Um, but, you know, uh, why, you know, why couldn't he be that guy, I guess, is even the better question. Like, what would, what would stop him from, um, from being that? I don't, I guess. So you know, let's, yeah. let's, let's play a game of this or that then, Cam, because you, <laughs> you're part of Notre Dame. Let's talk about these traditions. Can you win with athletes living amongst the student population? Or is that a tradition that you will want to keep regardless? Um, I think that you can. I don't think that. I know what you're I know what you're kind of getting at there, but I think. Uh, I do think that there's a component of embracing some of the aspects of that tradition that are really unique. And if it's done in a way that's intentional and sacred, then I think it's worth it. Like, I think that that first summer and like freshman year, it really is a great exercise to be linked into the student body. Um, and that, that again is just more of the ethos of Notre Dame that I would say is like the stuff that like keep that, you know, like keep some of that. Uh, but after, you know, they've done their redshirt freshman year or whatever, like gone through summer and they're linked in with the student body, give them opportunities to be linked in with the student body, but just know that like their life looks different than everybody else. Like it just does. So like, because it looks differently than everybody else, you know, you gotta give them the space that they need to, 
to rest the way that they need to rest to be able to, uh, you know, they've always done well with, I think Adam Sargent and his team up there does incredible with providing the academic resources for anybody and everybody to succeed. Like he is, he is unbelievable at what he does up there. Um, so it's a world-class atmosphere. Um, but like, I know what you're talking about where you get these, these scenarios where athletes are really like they're living it up <laughs> and, um, yeah, man, I think, I think that there's room to grow there too. And there could be a creativity around that to where you can preserve some of the elements of that, that are, you know, sacred and beautiful, and then, um, make the transitions necessary and the growth necessary in order to become, uh, a high performing, a high performing, uh, uh, kind of community. Like, I, 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 let me tell you something. I think it's very unique because I think what you said about the freshman year, redshirt freshman year, I love it. Like, I would love to be part of that community and to room next door to guys. Like, I, man, I remember being a freshman at U of I, and I was rooming with these guys that had a triple across from me. And it was this kid named Chinton Amin, who was a, a, a Virginia fan. He was from Virginia. Had this, man, a, man, a, he called himself a redneck. My guy, Greg, he was from Cincinnati. He was, like, from Kentucky, right outside of Cincinnati. But he was like the coolest dude I ever met from like a farm. It's just the cool, like you listen to hip hop? Like really? And he was an engineer major. And then he had this little short dude named George from the suburbs of Chicago from Schaumburg. And they were all engineering majors. And every Friday we would joke with them as they marched out to take that Scantron test for engineer 102 because they were up to like three, four in the morning on Thursday night studying for this test for this weed out class. So it's moments like that during your freshman year. And I'm still cool with all three of them yeah. to this day. Yeah. We're still locked in and talk to each other. So those are relationships that go beyond just being a football player. It really develops you as a person. So I'm with you on that. Totally. Definitely keep that intact. What do you think about the athletic facilities as far as nutrition and things of that nature. Do you think a nutritionist, now this is right up your alley. Ment, <laughs> mental health. You're trying to get me in trouble, bro. No, I'm trying, I'm just, we're having an honest conversation, Cam. Okay, nutrition, okay. And, nutrition and mental health. Yeah. Does there need to be a separate space? Not just for Notre Dame football, but Notre Dame athletes. And nutrition, totality. Yeah, nutrition and mental health uh are distinguishable in an aspect but nutrition is part of mental health so right you know uh, i think having uh providing the education is really like the key um so i'm less about having you know just subject matter experts there to tell you what to do and more about helping educate those guys on i mean there's gonna be some guys that just want to get told what to do but there's a lot of guys especially at notre dame that are you know they're curious and they want to know why they want to know how they want to know what's best for them and you gotta like you gotta trust that man like that's why professionals become professionals like uh if you you know the guys that are in the league 
Like they all go to their respective places in the off season, have their own nutrition protocols, right. have their own mental health protocols, have their own trainers that they do their stuff with. And like, we're finding out the more specialized sport has got, like people have those guys in high school now, like professional athletes had those guys, uh, you know, have had those guys for years. Now it's high schoolers that are like, they got their guy and um, they're already playing, like their agent almost, like they got their agent, they're like getting ready for NIS. So the landscape has just shifted so much, but um, I haven't been back to the newest facilities yet. Like the, the, like I haven't seen the new, the new the inside, the new inside facility. Yeah. Since like post COVID type facility structure. Are you, are you coming back now? You, we're, we're, we're efforting. We're basically finishing up finding the venue, but we're doing a live show the Friday before the blue and gold game, myself and Malik. Yeah. So if you're in town, you know, you got to come by. Okay. You have yeah. to come by. So we'll be okay. down there for the blue and gold game. I'll be down there. Pretty yeah. much all next week for both practices and the pro day. Yeah. I man, look. I wish I played football. The short time that I played, I wish I played on a field like the indoor field. Yeah, I, it's, I swear it's like you're running on pillows. It's that soft. It's it's crazy how soft it is. And I think they've done a good job. Yeah. I think they've done a good job. I think they've done a great job. For me. That's really not about the practice facilities, right? You go to other institutions, and I'm not saying, as Jack Swarbrick eloquently said in his email, we're not trying to match expenditures with other top schools. That's fine. But I don't think you have to do that to invest in nutrition and, and mental health. I, I just don't for all athletes. So I, I think it's important and I think it helps you to get the best out of your student athletes in all areas. And like you said, Cam, even though they're part of the student body, football players know they're football players. Mm -hmm. They know they're different. You can't put them in the midst of the student body and trick them into thinking they're just like everybody else. They don't think that way. They know they're different. So maybe the university doesn't want to play into that or that month state, but it's there. And I figure, man, why not invest? That's just my, my opinion. Because I'm not yeah. about to allow you to go out there and put yourself in a, a precarious uh, predicament in any way, shape, or form with the university. But I knew that was something that you're passionate about. And I just wondered where you sat on. Yeah, I guess I don't know enough about what they're doing from a mental health and nutrition standpoint at this point to really uh, to comment on how, you know, what they should be doing. All I can say is that the more that you do invest in mental health, the more that you do invest in nutrition, the more that you do invest in cultural development. Uh, I mean, Cultural development is the business development of college football. Like it's if, if you aren't investing into cultural development, then 
you're not investing in your business development, in my opinion. You're, right. Uh, and that to me, I think is something that uh, mental health plays into that. Mental health is like the governor of it all because I like the way that I would say it like this is sport is broken down in a creative art form uh, and performing art. So yeah. it's, but it's creative before it's performing. Like a kid does not become infatuated with football, basketball, baseball, or whatever for performance. It's because they think that that's fun, man. Like that's Ooh. why they want to do that. And that's the art of it, the heart of it, you know? And so, uh, we have to like be grounded in that always. That's why I love Ted Lasso. Like the concept of Ted Lasso is it's making fun of all of this kind of like snobby high society sport, you know, yeah. uh, scenarios like, and just kind of really, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all this really fun, you know, cultural perspective in my opinion. And we just put my daughter in a school that's like a student guided, learning community and it's taking off right now it's they've got their own mba programs for texas and harvard uh Acton academy and it's this beautiful concept and i think that for culture like when you're investing in your culture your 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 organization or whatever becomes really player led and player yeah. run and man like you get to that you get to that level and like that's where I think it gets scary. That's where I think that you know Notre Dame has the has the capacity to be something, you know, absolutely great. Yeah. Um, beyond like what we even have expectations for, because we see it as like talent and how much money we're pouring into this and how much money we're pouring into that, and uh, like we all love the stories, like uh, the stories of um, like Miracle on Ice and stuff like that where it's not about talent at the end of the day it was about the ethos and like the uh the spirit of like what was going on there that made that story so special and that's what makes notre dame a special place like they're always going to be i believe a place that has a chip on their shoulder kind of like like not underdog swag but like we know people are out to get us type of thing and we like that and we embrace that and that's got to be uh, like something, something that I believe is, is just continually embraced, but channeled in a way that um, is really, again, owned and like taken an extreme ownership way by the players. And you guys have heard me say this on this podcast multiple times. Like, yeah, I'm always like, we talk about Marcus Freeman coaches, stuff like that. Great, man. Like all that's great. But those guys on that squad and you can ask anybody that's won a championship like the coach like they'll give him the credit where the credit's due but great coaches look at bill belichick right now man <laughs> look at like he's won those championships but it's the players that like allowed that man to go get those rings like and every great coach has to admit that yeah. it's the it's the biochemical makeup of that team and the binding and like the unity and the synchronization that makes it all special. Yeah. And those are the factors that I think investing in, um, they're things that we've considered intangibles for a long time, but there's, 
there's a lot of tangible ways to measure that in my belief if you have eyes to see and ears to hear for it. Yo, you might be editing the championship prayers and wish list of a lot of Notre Dame fans that are listening today with what you just said. Because, no, seriously, because to accept who you are and accepting who you are, some people might feel like I don't need to diminish my expectations. I don't think it's diminishing expectations. Yeah. Okay, you might not win six in however many years or whatever Nick Saban did, right? Yeah. I don't care when the next one is, it's going to be special. Yeah. It's going it's going to be crazy special, Cam. Yeah. Like I'm look, let me tell you something. It got to a point as a Bulls fan. After the first two, yeah, it was kind of like we already know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. When he came back from retirement, it's like, okay, it's about to happen again. Like it really got to that point where you, you expected it. Like yeah. when they got to a game seven against the Pacers in that last run, it was kind of like, we actually got to go to game seven. Like it was shock that it went the distance. And for the 2005 Chicago White Sox, it was like euphoria like I had never seen before. Yeah. Right? Because it was it was different. Totally. Right? And you know you're it's not like the, the big... Yes, like you're not the big spending... Yes. You're not the big spending Major League Baseball organization like the Yankees and the Mets that can constantly put themselves in position. No, it's going to take that special squad, that ethos. And they probably weren't the most talented team that year on paper, but it was something about that group. Yeah. And they live, they live forever. They can go get free meals in Chicago to this day. Same with the 85 Bears. They can get whatever they want in this city until this day. I mean, 85 Bears probably were the most talented team in the NFL that year. So that's that's kind of apples to oranges, but maybe Notre Dame and maybe the fan base. Yeah. May, and maybe you're showing us that like there is always going to be something. Yeah. It's both and man. Like, yeah. like there are guys out there that want to be they want Notre Dame to be what Alabama has been like the last 10 years. Like yeah. they want, you know, and like that's cool, man. Like if that's what you want, that's okay. I'm just saying I'd rather not try to force a square peg into a round hole. And like Notre Dame is not Alabama. Like they won't be Alabama. Like that's not like who they're like, they're going to be their own individual expression. And you got to learn to embrace something new with that, in my opinion. And, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not here to diminish anybody's expectations either. Maybe, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, But like, no, that's it's not something. diminished. It's just, just a slight edit. Yeah, just it's a just slight a, edit. Hey, if you if you're not willing to enjoy the journey, which the journey is like in a big scale is life, and then yeah. this is you know a little subcategory in your life that is really fun and like brings you joy, and like should bring you joy. If it's not bringing you joy, then you know let's check that for a second and see what's going on there, and just. Like embracing the fact that, man, like it is going to be special and it is special because like right now, 
is everything leading up to that moment yeah. of what it's going to be like, you know, when Notre Dame does win that championship again. Um, and that's the way I think you have to kind of see, you have to surrender to the moment and know that like today, like don't trade today for tomorrow, man. Like, no, find the silver lining and stuff. You don't have to be impenetrably optimistic. You can get frustrated sometimes. Like you can have realize that like, man, things could be better or whatever. That's growth. I got yeah. it. But like growth is going to happen naturally too. Like, yeah. and a lot of times, you know, especially for high achieving athletes, like uh, they don't usually need to be told or corrected or if they're like really great, if they're really looking to like be great, they don't need to be told or corrected. Um, they just need to look, like become more aware of what it takes to become that champion. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, I love it. I love uh, <laughs> I love the direction that kind of went. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, yo, I, I'm glad it went that direction. And the more you spoke about it, you know, I just kind of picked up on something and said to myself, like, you know what? That's that's the there's a beauty in this Notre Dame thing, even with 1988 being the last championship, that's still a beauty in being right. a fan, right? That's still beauty in the uniqueness of it. And there's something that you have as a fan of this program that no one else has. I tell people all the time, like the brotherhood amongst the players is something that I've never seen. And I've been around other teammates from other programs and teammates from the NFL. It's just something different about Notre Dame players when they see each other, how they connect to each other and how they communicate with each other. So within that, I'll take two championships in 12 years. Like, I'll take it. I don't need five and 11. I'll take two in 10, two and 12 really special seasons that we could talk about it for the ages. I mean, I would, I would love that. I would love, man. I would absolutely love that. I wouldn't run away from it at all. Now, when you come back to campus, who haven't you seen or who are you looking forward to breaking out in this team? Like who, if you're going to come watch one of these practices during the spring, Give me a couple of players that you're like, I really want to see what he does during this practice. Uh, I know you're going to be watching the running backs, but that's not even fair. Those are your yeah, guys. Man. I feel like they've developed so much since this last year. I was really impressed with Logan Diggs' development, man. Mm. Um, I just think I was uh, – yeah, man, I, I – I, I watched this guy develop so much patience over this last year. Um, he was fun to watch. And that really dynamic between him and Estime. Estime is just like, <laughs> yo, just give that dude the ball. Like that ball, that guy needs the ball like minimum 10 times a game, like 15 times a game. Like between Logan and him, you know, they need 20, 25 touches easy. Like they do, man. Uh, so yeah, I'm heavy. I'm heavy on the running back um, this year. I think that we have an incredible backfield. Um, uh, <laughs> I, 
I guess I'm, uh, I just drifted on a thought because I was thinking of my little brother. My little brother actually might be going up to Northern Illinois to go play. Oh, to decal? Uh, nice. Yeah. I like um, Coach Hammond. I like, I like, I like Coach Ham. Yeah. Yeah. He recruited me a little bit while, um, um, when he was in Minnesota. Really? Yeah. He's a good dude, yeah. man. Yeah. He's a good dude. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, man, um, obviously extremely interested like everybody else in the quarterback position and, you know, what's going to transpire there. I think that we're, that to me is, uh, that's fun, exciting to see what's going to happen. Um, and then I'm really, I'm looking to see like just overall how our defense is going to kind of respond to some of the losses that it's taking, especially on the defensive line. Mm. Um, who's going to like really emerge. Um, Cause that's going to be necessary to make, you know, the run that like everybody wants to make. Uh, and somebody always steps up, you know, that defensive line, like every year, there's always some cat that like uh, that really just makes a statement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are, those are kind of the places that I'm looking. I want to see like overall, just uh, like just a personality, like arise out of the defense. And I think that they've got. Oh man, we lost Cam. He lost signal again where he was. Hopefully he can jump back on, but he was talking about, he wants to see the running backs, his appreciation for Logan Diggs. And then he was talking about that defensive line. He wants to see who steps forward on the defensive line because it seems like every year someone steps forward for Notre Dame on that defensive line. Uh, Riley Mills is a veteran. He's always there. You have Isaiah Foskey pretty much nominating Jordan Botello as his successor at the NFL Combine with his comments. So, yeah, Cam, I was just talking about how, how Isaiah Foskey at the NFL Combine echoed what you said. He pretty much said Jordan Patello, Botello was the next one to follow in his footsteps at Notre Dame. So maybe he's one of those guys you're talking about that's going to come out of nowhere and kind of step up. He's had buzz for multiple seasons, couldn't stay healthy, has some off-the-field issues. If he can keep everything clean, he might be that guy during the spring that takes that step forward. What also is really exciting to me is, I mean, the season that Morrison had last year as a true freshman. Ooh. Like, we haven't had a – we hadn't had a presence at DB like that. I think, you know, Kavari Russell, his freshman year when we went to the national championship, he had a breakout season that um, – but what we saw from Morrison last year I think was unique and special. Yeah. And he's going to add, I think, some tremendous personality to our defense that is unique to, like, what uh, Notre Dame's had. I mean, think about the last time we had, you know, just a dude out there at corner. Um, uh, I'm talking about, like, like Thorpe Award type, you know. We've had some safeties for sure. And we've had corners, like, I'm – apologies to all my like, former teammates but like i'm talking about just that swagger that like changes the atmosphere of the team yeah. and everybody everybody knows it you got those internal guys 
that like the team knows it, but when the team knows it and everybody else knows it, there's something about that that is unique. And Morrison carries that kind of swag, I think. So I'm really, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how um, things develop with him in his sophomore season. What's the biggest thing for a kid like that mentally? Like to have that type of season as a freshman and to kind of follow that up. Because if you look at the offseason, like every week he's he's winning workout warrior. Like yeah. he's chiseled. You're like, okay, he's putting in the work physically. But the challenge is I don't think Caleb Williams and USC are going to run from him. I don't think Ohio State with Harrison Jr. and Ebuka are going to run from him. He's going to he's going to face some tough wide receivers down the line that are still going to challenge him. So ultimately, what's the next step for him? Yeah. And he should like he should embrace that. Yeah. If he's going to be the guy that we're talking about right now and you know, we're <laughs> we're hyping him up the way that we are, uh, you know, he can use that one or one of two ways and uh, he can con- like he can be content with that and um, not content in a bad way, um, but anticipate like the growth of like his career and the growth of his development as a player. And just I mean, that's the Michael Jordan effect right there, man. That's like, you know, Michael was not he was not he was content with where he was at, I would believe. But he was always pushing himself for more. Yeah. Yeah. And Kobe was like that tiger was like these uh the greats have this growth mindset within them that is just it's it's a very unique persona and uh and so you gotta have that at corner anyway like corners just like that position on the field where your personality's got to be bulletproof you you have to have you know uh you have to have a scenario where somebody burns you or whatever and you're able to you know, come back and make that pick six. And um, just the like the roller coaster ride of being a corner, I think is one of the most intense. And I got to play some corner. Um, and when you're going against, you know, <laughs> TJ Jones or Tyler Eifert's out at the like on the edge, yeah. like it's that's a that's a feeling, man. But as a competitor, like you embrace that, man. And you're like, I'm that dude. Like I'm that dude that's gonna make sure that this guy isn't a factor, and uh, yeah, man, I don't know what his mental his his mental process looks like with that because I haven't spent time with him. I don't know his personality, um, but my guess would be uh, he knows he's that dude. So yeah, I would lay money on that if I were a bet man. Now, <laughs> Malik and I both subscribe to. This ain't Wake Forest. Like, fans are like, oh, man, we're getting this, we're getting that. And Malik and I are both telling fans, relax. Because quarterbacking at Wake Forest is a totally different beast than quarterbacking at Notre Dame. Yeah. The transition for Sam Hartman, what do you think will be the most difficult task? Will he just have to go through that first game and fill it? over in Ireland to really get to know because it's almost like getting married, right? People can tell you. And then once you finally, you know, go through the ceremony and you come back after the honeymoon and the bills start pouring in, you start to realize, oh, this is real. Yeah. Does he have to kind of experience that first game, first two games to kind of really grasp the enormity 
enormity of being the quarterback at Notre Dame. Coach Kelly had said, uh, uh, he said, Cam, is the football, like, is it shaped differently, like in Texas? And <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, coach. And he goes, are we playing the game, like, any differently? Like, did you have special teams, period? Did you have, you know, offense, period, blah, blah, blah? And I was like, yes, coach, I did. And he was like, all right. He goes, relax, it's just football. Like, you be you. I brought you here because you're you. And that was one of the coolest, realest things that I remember. I like that he yeah. said to me, right. And, you know, we, people don't need to change, like, the type of player that they are to come play here. Yeah. Uh, they just need to be the best expressions of themselves and let the university kind of, you know, morph them into who they become with this new dynamic and this new team and everything like that. Don't resist it. Don't necessarily, like, force it just like that's again flow state i believe like find the flow state find the way to you know navigate this team this new ecosystem this new atmosphere yeah. and um so that would be my advice to a guy like sam right now Lucky Lefty Podcast, as we get ready to get out of here, we thank our special guest, co-host Cam McDaniel for joining us today. As always, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CMB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, all of our great content, leave five stars. Leave your messages because we respond to all. Someone had a uh, question for you, Cam. Anthony Solomon said, how is your business doing? Um, it's going well. There's been... Like my personal business has changed a little bit. There's been changes in like the dynamics of how we're doing things um, and just partnerships and stuff like that. But uh, as far as just what we're trying to get accomplished and what we're trying to get done, I feel like there is uh, still some amazing things that are happening and um, uh, finding realignment like this last few probably this last year or so was it really a realignment like just time for me as far as team and kind of personnel like with my work yeah. but the project itself is going in the direction we want it to go still which is awesome okay you know what did you by chance see the tv show the parent test i didn't you have to check it out right because okay. it goes along with what you just really you know, talked about, you know, the school your daughter's in. So they took 10 different uh, parenting styles. Yeah. Right. And the child led parenting was actually very unique and something that I didn't appreciate initially because of the way it sounds. Yeah. And what I come from, which is traditional parenting style, you know, with, you know, sort of conservative, based in tradition, based in beliefs, religious beliefs, things of that nature. But after I watched it, I was like, you know what? I could really rock with that. 
from especially from a development standpoint. So it kind of caught my ear when you said that it was it was a series on ABC that just finished up. So you probably binge watch it. That's you probably awesome. binge watch. Check it out. Check it out. They didn't win, but I they they did get to the final four. There's a didn't. time. There's a time to take up your authority, and then there's a time to yield it. And Absolutely. It's a dance, man. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. just there's a it's a student led uh, program, but they have guides. Like, yeah. They don't have students. They have learners. They don't have teachers. They have guides. And so that's that's the difference and kind of like that philosophy there. Um, but yeah, man, no, those are fun topics. And that was cool. Yeah, that was cool that you brought that up. I was like, I, meant, I have to make sure I mention that show. It'll be interesting for you and the missus to watch it just to get your feedback on it to see what you think about it. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Turner, Sean, off topic after interview, would like to hear your opinions on the Illinois quick exit from NCAA tournament. Look, man, Patrick, I was having a good day. And, uh, <laughs> Look, I've been telling people for three years that Brad Underwood is a terrible coach. You know, Cam, I'm not, I don't know if people know this. When you have Chicago in your background for basketball talent. Yeah. Yeah. And you're one of the top 10 all-time winningest college basketball programs. Top 10, there's no excuse for things to go the way they've been going. None. And people want to talk about he has the most wins in the Big Ten in the last three years. I don't care. He can't get out of the first weekend. Like, we don't – I don't play – we don't play basketball to win Big Ten championships. We play basketball to win tournament games. That's what it's about. Can you advance in a tournament? Not the conference tournament, the big dance. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. So I don't want a coach. I don't want a, a mid-level coach at a top 10 all-time winning program. I don't. Fans are cool with it because they want to point to the Big Ten record. I'm personally not cool with it. And I think eventually – the program is going to take a major dip and he won't be here. That's just my opinion. Well, I haven't been following basketball enough to comment this year, but uh, I know it always gets in. I, I love that. Like when we, when I am in it, like I love the intensity of March Madness because you always have those kind of Cinderella type stories and those underdog, underdogs coming into the tournament and making those fun runs. So day one was incredible. Incredible. That Furman Virginia game was incredible. The <laughs> Princeton Arizona game was incredible. That's look, do you ever think college football can capture any capture any of that magic with the expansion? I think uh I think it might take a while, but if if uh, universities, like if, if you start to see more of the model start to coming, like coming to the forefront, 
Um, I think it'll take a while to really integrate into sports because it's such it's it's high performance and it's considered high performance at yeah. its, at, its uh, at the forefront. But the emphasis on mental health, I think, is what like balances that out because you can't sacrifice uh, mental health and put it on the altar for performance. Like it just doesn't work, and that's been proven time and time again from great athletes and ultimately who were great people that ended up having to uh, suffer the consequences of uh, a culture that was pushing too hard. And that's what I think would allow for a balance, more of a balance in the ecosystem of college football is really this uh, embracing of like player led, type of scenarios like more player-led type of scenarios more like professional sports again uh you get more of those stories like we had with Jarrett Payton where you got the dude on your football team like that's like the Steve Air McNair status just saying coach we're going inside today it's too cold out here <laughs> and you know that type of stuff that's just man it's just it's just fun and um you start to create more of that environment again. I think it, it gives the possibility for um, other universities to kind of come out of the woodwork. I mean, I think we're seeing like it's been cool to see like what Liberty has done. Yeah. Liberty, Liberty University has put together a squad that you know kind of come onto the scene like really quickly, and um, so you know that's maybe a bad example, but uh, I think it would be fun to have an atmosphere like that. That's why I like Texas high school football. It's kind of like that. It's that. And, and the NFL, like it's 16. It's in Texas high school football. It's a 10 game, 11 game regular season. And then six, six games to the championship. So, uh, like when you're playing and going through the gauntlet like that, it, you can have an undefeated and kind of like you're talking about with Illinois where they perform during the regular season, but you got to make it through playoffs, man. It's a different animal. Yep. Yep. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, we'll see if Left wants to do another show later on tonight. We thank special co-host Cam. Big Daniel for joining us. And shout out to all of our guys at the USFL this weekend as they play. I actually talked to Big Jerron Jones yesterday. He was driving to Memphis for the game this weekend. So prayers and help to all of those guys, Notre Dame alums that will be taking the field for the USFL this weekend. Yeah. Big weekend. We'll talk recruiting news on Monday and have some more film evaluations right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. But Cam, I'm Sean Davis. Have a great weekend. But most of all, you have to make sure that you spin it different. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.